This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast presented by MetaShare. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing great. This is the show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Today, I'm excited to welcome on the head coach at Pepperdine, Lorenzo Romar. He has been in college coaching since 1992 when he got his start on the UCLA bench as an assistant coach. I'm going to ask him about that, actually. And he's had stops at Pepperdine, St. Louis, Washington, and then he found his way back to Pepperdine, where he is now uh, and has been the head coach since 2018. And it's always great to talk to you know, lifers in the coaching profession. And you, know, you think about how hard it is just to remain as a head coach. You know, you get different opportunities. And, and then to think about going full circle to where his first head coaching job was at Pepperdine, and now that's where he's at all these years later. Uh, really, really fascinating. So I'll ask him a little bit about that as well. And, and so he, he actually he played college basketball at Washington, and then he was there at Washington. So if you're a college basketball fan, you know that, that he had great success while at Washington. He was a three-time Coach of the Year in the Pac-12. So, uh, so it's going to be fun to, uh, to share this interview with you today. Uh, we are brought to you by MediShare. MediShare is an innovative healthcare solution for Christians looking to save money without sacrificing on quality. MediShare is a biblical, affordable alternative to health insurance. So my wife and I, we've used MediShare for over five years and encourage you to figure out if it's the right fit for you and your family. So you can go to MediShare.com slash unpacking it. I actually just sent the link to my cousin today, uh, encouraged him to check it out. So I'm encouraging you to check it out as well. MediShare.com slash unpacking it. Also, uh, if you haven't subscribed to our weekday email devotional, encourage you to check that out as well. Uh, if you go to unpackingit.com slash subscribe, you can sign up to receive the Unpack This devotional that goes out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It takes a current sports story, relates it to the Bible, relates it to our own lives. And so it's designed to challenge, encourage, and inspire us to follow Jesus and become more like him. So again, unpackingit.com slash subscribe. Stick around at the end of the conversation with Coach Romar, we will unpack some of the things he discussed, and I'll give you some of my thoughts on the interview, but let's jump right in. Here is head coach Lorenzo Romar. 
bringing you unique insight into the faith and character of guests from the sports world. Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Joining us now on the MetaShare guest line is the head basketball coach at Pepperdine, Lorenzo Romar. He played college basketball at Washington. He played point guard in the NBA in the 80s with the Warriors, Bucks, and Pistons. He got into college coaching in 1992 with UCLA as an assistant coach. He was a part of that 1995 championship team. Then he became a head coach at Pepperdine in 1996, then went to St. Louis, then Washington, one Pac-12 coach of the year three times. He was with Arizona as an associate head coach, and he has returned to Pepperdine and has been the head coach since 2018. Coach, it's so great to have you on Unpacking It. How are you? I'm doing great. Glad to be on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, before we talk about your story and your career, I, I'm a big college basketball fan just coming off the NCAA tournament, watched a lot of basketball. Just curious your thoughts on the tournament. Did you, did you watch much of it? What, what's your approach as a coach that's not playing in it? Definitely watched it, and I was just really, really impressed by the teams that advanced to, to the Elite Eight and other teams. But when, once they got to the Elite Eight, was something that really stood out was teams on the defensive end. Uh, these mm. teams really defended the basketball, and uh, it showed why they were so successful. But uh, they were, they were the, the toughness displayed by those teams that – made it to the Elite Eight was was outstanding. It's interesting because that was kind of a conversation throughout the tournament, how physical college basketball was. Because I'm a big NBA fan too. It doesn't seem the, like the NBA is as physical as it once was when I loved the NBA in the 90s. But what, right. what do you make of kind of that, the, the physical uh, play in college even versus the NBA? And do you think that's good for college basketball to have physical play like that? Well, when I was an assistant at UCLA and even at Washington as a head coach, we would always notice that when it was tournament time, when you would play an NCAA tournament, the games were officiated a little differently and they let you play a little more. And it is uh, still not as physical as the NBA. There's, there's no question. The NBA isn't as physical as before. But I even think with that, in terms of guarding the basketball, hand checking, hands off, that's different. But inside, gaining position, all of that, it's... Uh, it's still physical. You also have to remember there was a time in the NBA when before the on, the uh, on-ball screen came on the scene and the dribble drive and the spacing, you come down the floor and just pound it inside. That's kind of how you played. And it's different because the floor is spaced so much more. So it would seem like it's not as physical. But when it needs to be, it's very physical in the NBA. But the college game, uh, in order to win, in order to be successful, you better have a certain amount of physicality within your team or you're not going to go as far. That's right. Absolutely. And we saw it in Kansas. They, they were using their, their size and physicality to, to get the championship for sure. Well, well yeah. let, let's, let's talk about your team. And, and, and I saw you, uh, you tweet this. Three of your players made the all-freshman team, and, and, and you tweeted, quote, the cool thing about that is that all three of these guys are obsessed with the process. So what, is the, what does the process mean from, from your perspective with these three guys? The process means that you have a passion for the game and that you're going to take extra time to get in the gym. Uh, this is the age of the trainer, and mm. everyone has a trainer that they work with, it seems like, and somebody that works them out uh, mm. 
there's some kids that are so conditioned to do that. If there's no one to work them out, they don't go to the gym. They don't know how to do it on their own a lot of times. And the ones that are uh, obsessed with the process, trainer or not, they're getting in that gym and they're going to find a way to get better. The kids that watch film and, and don't watch just to see how they dunked on somebody, you know, or how they hit four or five threes in a row, but how they can get better. They're looking at their mistakes. They're critiquing their game. And uh, they're just doing everything in their power to become the best that they can be. And that's what I was alluding to, to the three freshmen uh, that I was talking about. They were on the all-conference team, all-freshman team. And, and then when it comes to the, the process for you coming back to Pepperdine to now build this program uh, again, what, what is that kind of process look like? What, what are some of the steps that you've already taken and, and, and what does that blueprint look like once you kind of took over and now looking at it a couple, couple years later? Well, we, you know, we were, we're fortunate to be in a position where we just completed our, our fourth year and we have an administration, our athletic director, Steve Potts, really believes in what we're doing. So uh, we haven't really set the world on fire in these four years, but I think what we've been able to do is now establish a culture that fits Pepperdine and the Pepperdine environment. And uh, the trick now, when you talk about what we're doing, is to try to work within the transfer portal, uh, something that has just come come upon us now. And for those that aren't familiar with what it is, is um, kids can transfer without really permission now. You just have mm-hmm. to make the administration aware of your intentions, and then they put you in what's called a transfer portal and it's a little bit like classifieds you know a job's available and <laughs> I'm available and here I am and coaches check it out every day and find out uh, who they need to recruit and in the past you would have to get a release from the institution that you were a part of and they could decide if they wanted to release you to talk to other schools or not and that's no longer also you're eligible right away you're eligible immediately the, that would discourage or deter some kids from transferring because they didn't want to sit out, but now you're eligible immediately. So as a result, here we are in the second week of April, and there are close to 1,400 names of kids transferring and are in that transfer portal. So how do you navigate through the transfer portal and still be able to be competitive? So we're doing, but I think we've, we're close to figuring out what's best for Pepperdine and how it's going to work for us. So, so yeah, what is that? How, how do you navigate it? What, what's your perspective on how do you tackle 1,400 names and, and who, what, what are you looking for exactly? We try to find those, like those freshmen that we talked about earlier, that yeah. they love the game, but yet they love your program. And maybe they were uh, under-evaluated. They slipped through the cracks. But for whatever reason, you try to find those that uh, appreciate being where you are and you grow together. So these guys are young, but there will come a point where they will be older too. And uh, what what many programs are doing is leaning toward the transfer portal because the kids are older. They get kids that have already been coached for two or three years in college. And you don't have to go through that learning process with them. They're ready to go and they have experience. Well, what we're able to do hopefully is grow with these kids. So in a, in a year, they will be old too. But we raised them another, so it's better. That's and right. We're trying to establish that type of culture. We will look at the transfer portal occasionally 
for a specific need, but uh, we probably won't have the majority of our foundation laid with uh, transfers. Yeah, to me, that's got to be the the rub that everybody's uh, wrestling with. Do you want guys that you're building the culture with them versus they got other ideas and principles and philosophies from another coach that then you almost have to, all right, you got to get on our on, on our perspective here. You get someone maybe who slipped through the cracks and they were undervaluated. Now they get with your your program and they end up doing really well. Now they want to go to a higher level or play somewhere else because now they're at that level, whereas they weren't before. And that's the yep. trick. It's tricky because you raise the kids, you know, you, they come up through the ranks with you and now they're able to stand on their own. They become really good. Then they transfer somewhere else. And that's what makes it really, really tricky. Gosh, that no, it is tough for, for coaches. And, and so, here, here you are all these years later from, from when you kind of broke into coaching. And, and so I kind of want to hear a little bit of your, your story. And I think you've got such a unique perspective having been around the game for, for so long. But, uh, but was reading, so you actually got kind of started in, in coaching with athletes in action. So, so that was kind of a, a unique ent- entrance into coaching. Take us into that season of life. What, what was that like for you? Well, initially, I joined Athletes in Action uh, as just a player. Uh, I had just become a Christian, and uh, I had played five years in the NBA and kind of was in flux. I had been cut a few times now, and uh, Athletes in Action gave, gave me the opportunity to share the gospel in my newly using the game of basketball as a platform, and it, it was a win-win situation for me at the time and I was with them seven years and the last three years uh, I went on as a player coach and did the things that coaches do and you had to prepare for other teams you had to come up with a scouting report we had to recruit we had to come up with a schedule that we we played a lot lot of the top division one programs and you had to make it all work and that piqued my interest to get into coaching. And uh, while I was there, I was approached by a couple of different situations. But then Jim Herrick from UCLA approached me and invited me to come on his staff. And that's where I went on. That's amazing. So you got your start as, a, as an assistant coach in, in college basketball with UCLA. That's how I got my start as a college basketball fan. I remember those UCLA teams. I was only nine years old. And wow. I, was too young, I was too young to stay up and watch it. So my dad recorded it on VHS. And I've watched those teams over the years, uh, the Ed O'Bannon and Thurl yeah. Bailey and uh, Cameron yeah. Dollar, Tyus Edney. I remember all those guys. So you were there, there in, the, in the mix. How, how, how fun and, and how uh, important was that for your development as a coach to now you know, set you up for, for such a long career in coaching? Oh, it was huge to be – to work under Jim Herrick, who was one of the more probably underappreciated coaches uh, in a long time – uh, I learned so much about how to run a program and how to plan practices, something as simple as that might seem. Uh, your, your practices have to be organized, and the content has to all make sense and mesh with everything that you're doing, little things like that. I just learned. And then the experience in terms of winning and winning a national championship and recruiting top-level student-athletes uh, was something that I was been able to take with me 
through the rest of my career. That's tremendous. I love it. Well, all right. So this is fascinating to me too that you you started off as a as a head coach with, with Pepperdine years ago, and then you found your way back to Pepperdine. And it's interesting because Thad Mata he's returning now to to Butler. Sean Miller's going back to Xavier. So a little bit of a of a trend in 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 recent years. What what were the uh, what was the thought process, the decision making that that went into a return to, to Pepperdine? Well, after I was fired from Washington, Sean Miller at Arizona contacted me and invited me to come on his staff. And while I was there, I was enjoying my time, and you know, I I started to get the itch to become a head coach again if the opportunity presented itself. And I felt like if I did it, I wanted to go somewhere where there was familiarity. Somewhere it was on the West Coast where I, I was raised. And the athletic director, Steve, Dr. Steve Potts, and I were on the same night league team when I was at Pepperdine the first time. Wow. He was kind of the, 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 man, the general manager of the team and put the team together. Where That is the guy I work for now. So there you go, familiarity. I was familiar with the president of the university from when I was at Pepperdine before, and it was local. So... It also, uh, you know, being at work school, uh, like the University of Washington, there's some restrictions that are in place in terms of sharing your faith and what you can do. And there are no restrictions at Pepperdine. So it just really tied into what I wanted to, for, for my wife and I for our future. Very cool. I, I love that. And, and I want to kind of hear even more about how you navigated those, those restrictions. But, but let, let, let's talk about your faith journey. And, and, and you mentioned... Uh, becoming a Christian uh, a long time ago and, and being able to, to serve with, with athletes in action. But, but I guess just kind of a, a general question, how has Jesus changed your life and, and how has he guided your life? I was, um, people would tell you that, you know, they would tell you, well, he wasn't a bad person, nice guy, that type of thing. And uh, well, when I became a Christian, I realized all of my imperfections and I realized mainly that as good as I would try to be, I could never reach God's standard that he had for me. And that standard turned into Jesus Christ dying on the cross and taking responsibility for all my sin, past, Mm -hmm. present, and future. And that if I wanted to have a relationship with God, it would be through Jesus Christ, forgiving me for my sins and taking over my life and me living at his direction uh, Mm -hmm. through the scriptures and uh, through fellowship with other with other believers, and uh, I, I read through the scriptures that when he died, he rose from the dead to show that he had power over over death, over sin, and that it was possible that you could live with him for eternity. And uh, September tenth, nineteen eighty three, my wife and I uh, gave our lives to the Lord, and uh, immediately, I wouldn't tell you I became this super holy person in terms of how I was living, but I had a great desire to read the scriptures unlike I'd ever had before and to get to know God through his word and also to tell others about how awesome a relationship with the Lord was and uh, the things of God became so important to me. And I would say that'd be the main ways that uh, the Lord changed my life. Ah, That's awesome. I, I love, I love when people, describe their uh, appreciation and love for scripture and, and, and to get to know God through his word. Uh, it's so powerful. 
And, and so now throughout your, your coaching career, having the opportunity to you know, really invest in kids, men, young men in, in one of the most important formidable stages of life in college, uh, that's where you've, you found yourself. So, so how have you navigated that to be able to you know, help them grow as, as, as men and, and develop strong characteristics, but through the lens of your faith and, and wanting to be uh, an example to them of what it looks like to, to follow Jesus? And, and so how have you learned to, to, to approach that and, and maybe even the different strategies that you've, you've tried over, over the years? Well, it's interesting you mentioned that about an example because uh, someone said that there's more that's caught than taught. And Amen. the biggest challenge for me as a leader and following and, and wanting to walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ is to be that example. Because it doesn't matter what you tell anyone if you're not living that life in front of them. And, you know, whether things are going good or bad, because I think people need to be able to see how you handle things when they aren't going well. When when you do fail as a Christian, you do fail and uh, things aren't rosy all the time. Right. But you can still have a peace in the midst of failure. When things aren't rosy, you can still ha- have a joy uh, somehow. As, as Jesus said, in this world, you'll have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So yeah, we're going to struggle, but we can still trust in Jesus that we're able to still live above those struggles and uh, I think that's a message that people can be able to see without you saying a word to them. But at the same time, uh, when the opportunity presents itself, I will bring up the Lord and how he can impact your life in such a major way. And and so you, you spent time at, at you know, secular colleges and, and that sort of thing. So, so how did you overcome some of the uh, limitations with that to still be open about your faith and if you if you Google you, there's there's plenty of places where you've shared your faith and, and that sort of thing. So you haven't shied away from it. But but how did you approach that? Well, I've learned that if you personalize uh, your testimony and you're not so-called telling everyone this is what you need to do. If you're personalized and you say this is what works for me, you can just about say what you want to say. So, you know, whether we had camps or whatever we did, hey, this is what's worked for me you're still getting the gospel out. You know, it's still a way to do that. Uh, Also, uh, if there's anyone, any student athlete on your team that uh, they have a a faith in Christ and uh, they decide they want to have prayer, like uh, a couple guys wanted to pray before the game. So that's what we did. And there was nothing anyone could say because it was, it was student led, but I was involved with it and was glad to be involved with it. Uh, uh, we've had in years, we don't have as much now, but uh, hopefully that'll happen. We've had chaplains. We've had people that have worked with our teams where they meet uh, with for Bible study and discipleship. And uh, to be able to try to help spearhead that has been has been great. So uh, to get the gospel out to to the student athletes. Absolutely. And then it, it infiltrates the sports fan world as as well and i you know i think about what hubert davis just did throughout the tournament he just lived it and he lived it and he at, at times if he was asked certain questions he would give honest answers and he would talk about his faith and i thought he yeah. took advantage of, of that in a really authentic awesome way um, i agree yes yeah 
Yeah, but and I'm curious your thoughts just on his run this year as a as a first time head coach because this was a, a special. I'm a Duke fan, and I I still am amazed by by what took place and and was encouraged by who he is even beyond the the performance. He did a heck of a job because North Carolina wasn't as good, nearly as good in the beginning of the year, but uh, he brought those guys together, and you you just got the sense that these were uh, big time basketball players, but these guys, they, they wanted to do well for their coach. They wanted to, you know, you hear him say, I want to see these guys experienced it, you know, because Hubert Davis wanted as an assistant, he was part of a national championship situation. Then as a player, he won a national championship. So he had done it, not as a head coach, but he, you know, he continued to say, I want these guys to experience that. And I just felt like those guys, uh, they wanted uh, their coach to to experience one as a head coach. And I could just feel that. And I just sensed he had a real good relationship with those kids that he coached. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, I, I guess kind of the, the, the final thought on uh, kind of your faith, but, but this kind of goes even beyond that a little bit. I, I'm just, I'm always curious the principles that, that coaches have or, or kind of your, your go-to core values that, that you've, either implemented over the years and, and have any of those, those changed at, at different stops along the way at different schools that you've been at, or, or what have been kind of those as a coach here, here's what I stick to as values and principles. Well, it's kind of evolved. You know, we have two sets of core values. One is the basketball court, you know, uh, defend, rebound, share the ball and compete. And we talk about that a lot. Uh, something I got from Jim Herrick uh, when I was at UCLA, but then we have, one that applies on the court and off the court, and it's called PATHS, acronym P-A-T-H-S. Well, like uh, P stands for passion, A, accountability. T is toughness, H, humility, and S, sacrifice. And if you apply those things in any group setting, in, in a marriage, uh, a team, you're going to probably do a little better than not. And those were all... Uh, taken from scripture. Uh, mm. That's when you think about Jesus Christ and the life he lived, the passion of the Christ, the movie, right. he had the passion, you know, uh, accountability to himself to do whatever the father wanted him to do and accountability to his father. Uh, no tougher human being than when he went to the cross. Uh, you talk about toughness, humility. He left heaven to come down to this earth to sacrifice, S, sacrifice for us so that we could be with him for eternity. And I think we, that's what we have up. We have it in our locker room, uh, but it applies to a lot of different situations. If you're passionate about just about anything, you're probably going to reach your potential. That is, you may not be the best, but your potential, if you're accountable, to yourself and you allow others to hold you accountable. That's how you get better. You can't get any better if you're not held accountable. Um, <clears throat> toughness, getting through things, life is tough. You got to be tough and to, to be humble, to possess humility in different situations. It's going to allow you to learn a little more. You're not going to think you have all the answers and then sacrifice, you know, be a servant and sacrifice for the betterment of the group uh it will take you a long way i i love acronyms so i wrote that down immediately because i I'm, I'm a big uh just big fan of it what, what about the the significance of the word paths that's the path you're going to take 
Okay, gotcha, gotcha. We have different paths that we take. Well, this path is gotcha. Perfect. Uh, no, that's 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 really cool. So I'm, I'm th- thank you for sharing that with our our listeners, and I'm encouraged by that myself. The uh, the one other thing I wanted to ask you. So I'm I'm a, a husband, uh, or I'm a husband and a father of two girls. You have three girls. So yeah. what's it what's it like uh, being a a girl dad from from your perspective? And uh, any any advice? My my daughter's two, and and then another one's eight months. So I'm I'm a little bit uh, <laughs> behind in the journey. So so what 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 wisdom or advice do you have today? I remember those days. Uh, they were a while ago, but I remember those days. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. And, and Bryce, I'm sure you know this. Your your kids watch you all the time, and you want to be the type of dad that is an example for your daughters. That when they marry, they're going to want someone to be like their dad was Mm. uh if if i disrespect my wife treat her with disrespect they will be okay allowing that to happen to them because that's what they were that's the example they saw if uh if i'm going to cherish and love my wife like christ loved the church well then they're not going to accept anything less than that hopefully from the man that they're going to marry so it's another challenge to try to be that man before them, that man that is vulnerable at times, uh, that man that might cry in front of them, you know, uh, that is has a sensitive side, whatever it is. <clears throat> but na- mainly, you're going to follow Christ in whatever you do. And if that example is there, hopefully they won't accept anything less than that. Amen. Wow. No, that's, that's really encouraging. I, I appreciate that. Um, well, kind of the, the the last question that I was curious about with, with you and thinking about your your career, the the fact that you played at your alma mater at at Washington uh, and then coached you coached there after playing there and and thinking about even Hubert Davis who, who's doing the same thing, Juwan Howard at at Michigan. What mm-hmm. what did you learn through that experience from being player to coach and then no longer being? The, the the coach at, at at your alma mater. What what is that experience like? I'm fascinated by that. It was great. Uh, when I was first hired at the University of Washington, I had a get together of some of my former teammates that played with me at Washington, and I wanted to do it because I just felt like we all shared that position. You know, mm. uh, I felt like. I was in a position where the alums, those that played basketball at University of Washington before I was a part of it, that uh, I was representing for everyone that put on a, a Washington Husky uniform. That's kind of how I saw it that way, and I wanted to make uh, I wanted to make them proud. That's neat. That that's special. Yeah, even John Shire now he's taking over at, at Duke, so um, it's it's always a. Uh, yeah, neat thing for for the fan base, and and I'm, I'm sure as a as a former player to be able to have that opportunity, and then for you to now get the opportunity to be back at Pepperdine after starting your career uh, as a head coach, and to, and to come full circle uh, like that is 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 really neat. And and so the off season now you're in the middle of the off season recruiting and all that kind of thing. Any uh, anything you're looking forward to over the the next couple of months, even personally, do you, do you take a break, vacation, that kind of thing, uh, this summer and and all that. Uh, my wife and I'll get together, uh, get get away, I'm sorry, for a week or two, but uh, <laughs> it just, it, ne- it never stops, Bryce. Right now, I can't wait to sit down 
we're still in school. School will end here pretty soon, and we're on a semester system, so school will be out in about three weeks. But to sit down and get ready for next season and prepare that we can be the next season. I, I look forward to that process. I look forward to going back over the over the film from last year and see where we can get better and then, you know, meet with our staff and take the necessary steps to make sure that we do. Absolutely. Well, I'll be following you and, and, and cheering on Pepperdine and uh, really appreciate you coming on today and, and just a, a wonderful conversation and, and very encouraging. So I appreciate it and, uh, and great to have you on here, here on Unpacking It. Thank you so much, Bryce. I enjoyed it. All right. Absolutely. Well, there's head coach Lorenzo Romar here on Unpacking It, head coach at Pepperdine here on the MediShare guest line. Sharing the personal side of sports, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And we're back in studio to unpack this interview with Coach Romar. And I, I of course, loved his PATHS acronym. So very cool. Uh, Passion accountability, toughness, humility, and sacrifice. And it is true that those, I mean, those are just strong words that make sense in basketball. And then also Jesus is the example of those words. And so we can represent those, those things in all areas of our life. And, and so passion, you know, it's like do, you know, doing things with that, that extra level of motivation and enthusiasm accountability, who are we accountable to, um, are we living up to that accountability, toughness, mental toughness, you know, being able to, to get through tough times with the strength of the Lord and, and finding our toughness in him and persevering with him. And then humility, uh, of course, is the, just the, the, the core of, of really being a follower of Jesus and surrendering to him to say, yeah, I, I'm not enough. I need a savior. And then to to begin to follow him each day of our lives with humility, saying, hey, I can't do this alone. I can't do this in my own strength. And <laughs> I'm nothing apart from Jesus. And then and then also sacrifice. You know, Jesus, of course, the ultimate sacrifice. In what ways can we, you know, honor him in the way that we sacrifice our selfish desires, sacrifice for other people and serving them? So, so really good stuff. Uh, again, that's the, the, the acronym PATHS, Passion, Accountability, Toughness, Humility, and Sacrifice. And then I also really appreciated what Coach said about being a dad, especially to daughters, and, and even it, it related well to what he was saying about you know, working at a secular university as a follower of Jesus. And in both situations and examples, it's about living it out. It's, I mean, it's very simple. We, it's hard, it's hard to do at times. It's challenging to do, but as far as being, being a light, making a difference, we've got to live it out. We've, we've got to do what we say and people will take notice. And so our kids, our daughters, especially, they will notice whether or not we're, we're real about our faith and okay. What, how does following Jesus affect my dad? And, and, and if it's evident and it's clear in the home and they see it lived out, then that's what they'll desire in their own lives, but also desire for a husband one day. Uh, so that was so cool. And then you know, I think a lot of us, 
and, and probably maybe those of you that work in, in secular uh, environments, um, we're all around people that don't believe all the time. But say so you let's talk about work for a moment um, to relate it to to him. You know, it's not always sometimes you got to navigate. Well, I can't bring up my faith here or there. But like he said, if it's your story, if that's if that's what's driving you, then you can absolutely share that and say that. Now, people may think differently about you or whatever, but ultimately they're going to watch to see, okay, how does his faith make him different? And how is he going to respond when things are tough at work? And if they if they find out that you're going through a tough thing, you know, time personally or at home, how how does he continue to respond? Wow, he still has joy, he still has peace. How is that possible? And so they're going to ask questions and then the door will be opened if if we are seeking the Lord to say, all right, please open up these doors for me to share my faith at work, to have these conversations. And it'll be amazing what happens, you know, at a, at a, a work dinner or a work lunch or, you know, just times that, that you get one-on-one with a, with a coworker where you can share your perspective on life, on faith, um, who you are, why you are the way you are. And, and it's a wonderful witnessing opportunity to point people to Jesus. Um, you know, especially right now with it being Easter week, people are a little bit more interested, sensitive to it. And so, yeah, we got to take advantage of those, those opportunities, but it's living it out. And, and, and we can't, again, we can't do it in our own strength. So it's that daily surrender, that daily yielding to the Lord, which I probably talk about on every podcast, <laughs> but it's, it's what, it's what's, uh, what we have to do. But, but I love what, what he shared and, and I just, I appreciate guys that are so open and authentic about their faith in the coaching realm because they influence their players in a big way, especially on a, on a basketball team where there's not that many guys in a locker room. And I think you can just have a tremendous impact. But then you impact all the other people in administration, in the athletic office, then the media, then the fans, and it, it just trickles down. The, the, the parents of recruits, all the recruits that never even come to your school that you still have an impact on. So it's really cool when I think about coaches and the impact that they have. But that translates to all of us. We, we all have touch points and people that we're interacting with that are, they're, they're wondering, all right, what, what's that guy about? Oh, interesting. Okay, wow, that guy's really kind. That guy's really peaceful and joyful. Hmm, I wonder what that's all about. So let, let, let's, let's have an answer ready for, for the questions uh, for sure. Ultimately, we have to share our faith with words. But, but oftentimes, usually it starts with the action and, and the, the lifestyle and the, the way that we love and care and serve. And people are wondering about it. So good stuff from Coach Romar. Uh, we'll be pulling for him for sure. Pepperdine, let's get them back in the tournament. Let's see, uh, let's see a turnaround there. So uh, so pretty exciting. But thank you so much for listening to the Unpacking It podcast today. I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. Have a wonderful Easter weekend. Praise God. What a wonderful opportunity we have to, uh, to know him through Jesus and the work on the cross. Have a great one. This has been the Unpacking It podcast presented by MediShare. 
For more information about the show, our events in Charlotte, and other resources, visit unpackinit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackinit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.